Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Friends, let's put our hands together and welcome Mose to give us the word today. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Wow. I almost feel like putting a disclaimer. People will get out of here saying, huh? Checking their wallets. <laughs> and they're like, our money. <laughs> Welcome. So good to be here at Worship Harvest Bugolobi. Yeah, in your cool air-conditioned auditorium. <laughs> so good to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for carrying on this vision uh, for the city of, of Bugolobi. Amen. Amen. Catalyzing spiritual, social, and... Which one? Eco. In our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Awesome. Thank you so much, Angela. Uh, Emmanuel is not here because he's doing ministry somewhere else this morning. But thank you. Thank you for leading excellently. Always. Amen. Woohoo! So I'm going to need your support this morning as we share the word together. This is my second message already today. Uh, and I have two more to go, all by one o'clock. Also, that means that you will not see me until the end of garage at exactly 10.30. I'll leave because I'll be starting to preach at 10.45 at downtown. And then I'll be starting to preach at 12 o'clock at Katikati. So that's what the Sunday looks like for me today. So, yeah, amen. When I'm done with uh, the message, we'll share in communion. Amen. I will not be here to share with you, but I think Angela will be leading that. And then there will be people here to pray for you concerning anything. Amen. So if you came up the steps with somebody or other, don't take it home. You're going to leave it here. Amen. We've been believing God that worship harvest is a disease-free environment zone. And that means whether it is a space like this where, whether we, where we gather or it is worship harvest people wherever they are. Whether that's in your homes, offices and all of that. Amen. A friend of mine believed that and went to visit a friend of his whose mom had been sick. Okay. I don't know whether that's sick or so the mom had a stroke and they had gone eight years without walking normally because one side wasn't functioning. They couldn't hold anything with their left hand. They couldn't walk without assistance on a flat uh, ground without a crutch. And going upstairs was not possible without assistance. And they took this word seriously that worship harvest is a disease-free zone. So, And uh, they went, visited the mother, prayed. And as we talk now, uh, so immediately she could hold something in her left hand. She was so excited. She drank all the juice in the glass. She said, give me more. They gave her more. She took two down. And as they talk now, she can walk up and down the steps without any assistance. 
That stuff is for you and your children and their children. Amen. It's been too long where a church is talk, talk, talk. No power, power, power. And that becomes a small club of apologists which we refuse to be a part of. Hallelujah. Are there people here who still believe in God? The God of heaven heals the sick. He makes provision, makes things happen. So if God can make people who haven't been working for eight years to work, your economic situation is not a problem. In fact, Jesus taught and said, it is the least application of faith. Economics is the least application of faith. People who don't learn how to apply faith in economic matters find it much harder to apply faith in other matters. So we're talking about unlocking heaven, and I happen to be here for this segment of unlocking heaven in the sense of, uh, of the... the the financial side of things. So what, what we said, what we've been teaching, one, is for you to unlock heaven, you can take me down and we look at the recap. Recap. One, you have to understand that everything has already been provided. You can't bribe God with your fasting, give, prayer, giving. It's completely useless. When God gave Jesus, he gave everything. Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his only son but gave him up for all of us. How shall he not together with him freely give us all things? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. Who has blessed us? Shake your neighbor, tell them I'm blessed. I'm too blessed. Has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And you'll be saying, hey, the heavenly places, I mean, Bukolobi. And then it says, he has made us sit together with him in the heavenly places. Amen. So we operate not from earth to heaven, but rather from heaven to earth. We don't pray to receive. We pray to release. My goodness. I'm preaching better than you're listening. We don't pray to receive. We pray to release. All right. So everything has been provided. And how do you know what has been provided? You check the word. The Bible. Worship harvest. We are a Bible people. When the whole world abandons the Bible and they think they have better ideas, we shall still be with the Bible. Because that word there reveals to us the things that have been freely given to us, which are in our spirit. The Bible is your spiritual mirror. Yeah? When you do when you when you you, you do makeup like <coughs> the doctor is back. When you're, when you're doing makeup, you don't go by your feelings, do you? What do you do? You look in the mirror and whatever the mirror tells you, my friends, whether you like it or not, happens to be the truth. You don't ignore the mirror and say, mm -mm, the mirror is lying. Let me see. I feel like this eyebrow. No, you don't feel no eyebrow. What the mirror tells you is the truth. Likewise, when it comes to your true identity in Christ... The things that you are in your spirit, it says, if any man be in Christ is a new creation, all things have passed away. Behold, now, when? When? All things are new. And it says in verse 18, which we mostly don't know because we stopped at 17, that now all things are of God. The new things are not, not of your father or mother. The new things are of God. In other words, you'll never be an orphan because you have a father who will never die called God. Now all things are. The day you find that out, ordinary life is over for you. Completely. And it doesn't matter where you went to school or what you studied. It is over. Where you went to school, what you studied, who your parents are, it is all those are disguises for you to be able to operate on earth. Including your profession. 
that's just a disguise. Otherwise, that the true you, you uh, all things are of God. Now, those things which are of God need to happen to be showing up in the hospital. Yes. To show up at the garage. Yes. To show up at the school. To show up at the school, at the Bible college. Those things that are of God. That's why when you're a business person, your spiritual responsibility is not any less than that of a pastor. It's all the same. We are all witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. And as witnesses, we have, we are asserting the claims of God that Jesus was raised from the dead. Whether that's in business, whether that's in church, whether that's at school, we are asserting the claims of God. We are providing evidence to God's claims that his son was raised from the dead. Amen! And how do you know that? It's in the word. So you don't go by your feelings. You don't feel the spirit. No, you don't. Where two or three or more are gathered, I'll be in their midst. That's the word. And then you start operating like he's in our midst. Hallelujah. Woo! I can be excited all by myself, by the way. <laughs> you better be willing to join me. Mm, I'm excited. So check the word of God. It will show you what you have already been given. Now, what, what is left freely given? Thank you for adding that freely. But what is left is getting it out. Because God has not hidden it from you, but rather has hidden it for you. Oh, my goodness. Mm, so you're like, mm, I need to find out what's in there. What's in there? Because what's in your spirit is what's in your word. What's in the word of God. Your spirit is exactly like the word of God. Amen. Because the Lord is one spirit with him. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Through him all things were made. Without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and that darkness could not resist it. Likewise, the darkness cannot resist you. Amen. Amen. So that's a problem when I take long to come to go. I'm supposed to preach one message, but I preach like ten sermons in one. I'm just like, someone, someone needs that one. Someone needs that one. Just so, just take it. Come on. Woo! So this prayer, fasting, giving—they are simply means of unlocking. Do you know why? Because we have too much unbelief. We are too. We are so filled with unbelief. God has figured a way of giving us some physical things we can do to unlock. And I'm going to be sharing about giving. Giving is incredible. I can tell you it's, it's incredible. Okay. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus, all for grace to trust Him more. Jesus, 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 how I trust Him, how I've proved Him all, and oh, Jesus. Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust him more. Amen. In 2010, Ari and I started a journey of financial uh, progress or knowledge or independence, having spent quite some time just being totally ignorant about how money works. 
and being broke all our lives because you know we thought if you have a degree from Makere, you know how money works it's not the case that's why the people who sat at the front in class don't sit at the front in the airplane Academically, I was a very br- brilliant student, very brilliant student academically. I got to a point and things didn't work so well and had to rely on God to recover and God gave me a recovery, which by the grace of God, I happened to be the fourth best student in the country at USCE. And and then I went to Makere and studied architecture, which was one of the newer courses at the time. So when you came out, you were like, the market was ready for you. So I got out, started working, designing buildings, left, set, and right, underquoting my work because of the village that I brought to Kampala. <laughs> How many of you brought village to Kampala? <laughs> And working hard and, and wh- wh- whatever money I earned, we spent it efficiently. <laughs> Such that nine years into my work, I woke up one morning to realize that I was broke. I had zero. It means that those people were leaving university that year and I, who had been out for nine years, we were at the same starting place financially. And then we started trying to apply the principles. We read everything under the sun that we could find about finances and we learned a few things. Our saving, we were already tithing at the time. Uh, not very regularly and then we became regular tithers we started saving we started trying to build our net worth because we're like this is irresponsible to have a net worth of zero when you have two children at the time (laughs) i'm not talking about your neighbor (coughs) so we started working hard working hard saving started acquiring some assets we started dreamier we started future housing made some mistakes uh, first trading came and went <laughs> and we survived and you know diligence diligence we worked diligently by the end of 2013 having started around 2010 by the end of 2013 coming into 2014 we had finally managed to build our, our net worth to almost close to 100 million shillings it was a big deal to us having come from zero having worked for nine years and operated at zero now, like four years later, we are starting to see things happen. And our lives were stable. We, 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 had, we were not in need. We lived at Sunset Apartments. Hallelujah. Somebody. Anyway, of course, it's one thing to live at Sunset Apartments as a, an owner. It's another to live there as a tenant. We live there as tenants for information. Just in case you compare us to the other residents of Sunset Apartments. So we were able to pay our rent. We were able to pay the children's school fees. The children went to Hillside. I one, one time went to see Paula at uh, the school for one of those. And then it felt like, like, you know, there were so many kids. I was like, this, how does my daughter operate in this environment? Anyway, like, okay, everyone's kids go there, so it's okay. So life was going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like you, tithe call when they say, arise and build, you also make a contribution of two, three million. You know, life was not too bad, okay? And then we fell for a trap, a good one, because that daughter is looking at me, she's pained in her eyes when I talk about the trap. We fell into this thing. This guy came to New Dawn Camp and talked about something called fast fruits. Now, this same guy had talked to me about the same thing privately a year earlier, and I deferred action because I didn't understand it well. How many of you know you'll never understand the word of God fully? You only obey, and then as you obey, you start understanding. Because the word of God is understood by experience, not head. Uh, 
So we gathered at that time Ari was working with the church but as a volunteer so the only money we depended on was mine and I had a salary at the time from Worship Harvest Ministries Global International whatever yeah. I call it. and yeah and, and <laughs> I don't remember, I think it was around 3 million shillings. Yeah, it has sort of refused to grow properly ever since, but it was around that. So, we got our money and, and gave it. It was all the money we had because, you know, January has 69 days. <laughs> Chiefly because the, month you, the money you get at the end of the month is supposed to take you through the next month. Unfortunately, December's money comes around the 22nd, and by the 31st, it is finished. So the whole month of January is to live by faith. So when you get your end of January income and you give all of it, then you've just subjected yourself to an extra month of waiting upon the Lord. <laughs> Which is what we did. So we gave that money. I don't even know what I was doing. Two, uh, we had two incomes at the time, and both were from church and architectural practice. <laughs> so that architectural practice, hmm, anyway. So our income from architecture was maybe around two million. You know, when you take off all the expenses, so you could say our overall income per year, five times twelve, was about between somewhere between fifty and sixty million for the whole year, right? And we were comfortable, you know. So life was going on. No big plans like, you know, we are going on, so let's keep going. If we are interrupted by some event in life, mm -hmm, we'll see. So anyway, we give that money and then things start happening. Say things start happening. <laughs> At first I didn't notice because I don't know how we paid our rent. I don't know how we paid the school fees for the kids. I still don't know. Like I never took record of what was going on. But somehow those things happen. And up to today, I still can't recall how did we pay off those expenses. And I failed to recall how it But you know, I was going on with my happy life. And then people started giving me money. People started giving me money. People would look for me like for three weeks. And I'm thinking, this is a serious counseling case. The phone calls. And then someone finally catches up with you and gives you a check and says, why are you too hard to find? God told me to give you. People just started giving me, giving me, giving me. Then one time, this lady, who even no longer goes to worship harvest, because I don't think she likes me much anymore. <laughs> Not that she ever did. Sends 10 million things to my account. Says, it's just yours, for you. I'm like, 10 million? For me? She said, okay. Uh, I knew my spending habits. I could like get through that 10 million quite quickly so i decided let me buy some bricks cement what let's start constructing since we had a plot we hadn't planned to build but because i am an architect i always had designs around which are like i think this would look nice on so we started constructing in july by february we had entered house of the next year that year i calculated the money people gave me it was all together the one i could remember because it occurred to me in december december the day it occurred to me, I left home. I was leaving home and they told me there's things we don't have. You know when you start building, there are things you don't have in the house. Some of you will find that out. Every, everything looks like cement. Everything. When you're ordering a meal in the restaurant, you'll say, how many bags am I eating? So that day I leave home and they tell me there are things wrong and I had two knots left in my wallet. A blue knot and a red knot. Mm. 
both in Uganda shillings, in case you're getting imaginations. A 2K and a 20K. So it just made sense to leave the 20K. So I left behind the 20K and went to work with the 2K. And as soon as I reached work, a guy that was coming to church that I hadn't talked to at all, sends me this gift, something, Christmas, whatever, with 2 million shillings. Hey, that's when he took quick. Something is happening. And it might be because of the other January thing. Then I started calculating backwards. And I realized the money people had given us that I could remember was 60 million shillings in one year. Just people hunting you down, giving you money. One time a friend of mine came and gave me an envelope with $9,000. I almost acquired security. I was like, Look, I've been a person who has trusted God for what seems to be impossible things, including the story I told you about my senior six results. But I started realizing that there is a God in heaven. Mm. So right now, my wife and I, we spend about 40% of our expenses. The rest of the money goes to other causes. Because we've learned to trust God in this area of finance. I was just thinking about it the other day that I give back to worship harvest as much money as I get in so that the rest works out. God is dependable. Amen. I want you here today to tr- learn to trust God in the area of finances. And I want you to I want it to work so well for you that you go and teach other people. Amen. Because all these financial disciplines we teach, I mean, those who know me, you know I'm for those disciplines, straightforward financial growth. There is a process. There is a process. You get it, you keep it, you grow it. You get an income, save buy assets, sweat your assets and produce cash flow and repeat the process for 8 to 5 years and then you start being wealthy. Okay, not necessarily 8 to 5. But there is something supernatural about trusting God with our finances that just accelerates the process. The writer writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 chapter. So now you know uh, those verses we've been looking at. Huh? It says when you pray Pray in the secret place and your father will reward you openly. When you fast, your father will reward you openly. When you give, which is what we are looking at today. And then he also says things like, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Man, that scripture hit me one day when I realized how much revelation was. That's the only verse that tells us how to honor God. There are so many verses that tell us to honor God. That's the only one that tells us how. You can say I honor God by serving, by playing, man, by no, 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 by preaching. No, there is only no, uh, come on. <laughs> no, there is only one biblical principle for honoring God, which is what substance. And Jesus says that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So it's very easy for God to know where your heart is. He just looks at where your treasure is. You can come here, lift up hands, even fall on the ground and weep under the anointing. And people will be deceived into thinking, mm, mm, this one really is into God. No. God knows where he looks to know whether you are into him or not. He looks at the wallet. The wallet is a very strong theological document. <laughs> or, or object. This thing here, it reveals where our hearts are more than anything else. That's why that rich young ruler came and fell before Jesus and everyone was convinced this one is saved. Except Jesus. Like, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Stop this bowing and kneeling thing in church. Go sell your stuff. That's how you know if you're serious. My friend, there are so many people in church today. They fall, they bow, they kneel, they do, and we, we think, 
Some of us even consider marrying them. Like, that must be a good man. The way you know a man to marry is how they use their money, not where they face while praying. I'm running out of time. And I haven't even started. <laughs> why? Why? A person who honors God with their money is submitted to God. Is submitted to the authority of God. That's how you know a person is submitted to God's authority. How they use their money. Not the words that come out of their mouth. I want you to imagine with me that there was a world where God rewarded stinginess. That's hell. Right? Because some people will hear me preach like this and they say, Ah, we are looking for... No, we are not looking for money. We are not looking for money. In fact, I, I forgot I'm supposed to be appreciating all of you for your generosity. Thank you. <laughs> Serious, like, no, like seriously, you guys... You guys, this year alone, Worship Harvest has invested more than 2 billion shillings in assets. 2 billion. 2019 alone. Where does that money come from? From you. You guys, your neighbor. Just check with your, tell your neighbor, thank you. And just assume you're telling the truth. So, so we are not looking for money. I'm looking for money that I can get into your wallet. I am trying to figure out. Because my conviction is this. God is so frustrated with all the wealth that is meant for believers. Because he has failed to get it to us. So much so that they leave it on the streets in heaven. Anyway. <laughs> Some of you got that. Which chapter is that, by the way? Chapter 9. Verse 6. Do you have verse 6? Okay. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 7, if you can, if it's possible. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. No, it doesn't say he hates an uncheerful giver. So some people just do contrasts where they don't exist. He doesn't. God loves everyone, cheerful giver or not. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. My goodness. Now let take me back to verse 6. Let's we are going to deal with only verses. This I say, you so sparing, you so reap sparing, you so bountiful, you so reap bountiful. Now, this is what happens. People, when preachers are in bad need of money, like to build a building like I am now, or we are, or, you know, they have to pay for their radio program, or something, something. There is a crisis, financial crisis in the organization. They always go to this verse. And then they will come and make everyone feel like they have been so mean, they need to improve their giving. And then they will extract the money from you by telling you, if you give little, God will give you little. If you give much, God will give you much. And then they read the verse like I have done, and then they preach for an hour. And by the time they are done, people are giving their transport. People are going to walk home. They don't even have transport because they've been touched. But it is a temporary touch because two weeks later they are like, that was dumb. <laughs> they realize it was a con altogether. But I'm here with good news to tell you that first of all, for us to fully understand this verse, we should, under, we should do what we should always do with every verse in the Bible. Go into the metaphor, take the metaphor and go into it fully. Don't transpose a verse from its metaphor and apply it to other areas. So the metaphor is using is agriculture, right? So for you to understand the verse, you have to go to agriculture. 
Not finance. Do you understand? Yeah, that's how you're going to understand. Because then, when you're going to agriculture, then you'll understand that the implication is not that God gives those who give and he withholds from those who don't give. Because God already gave to all. The Bible says he makes it rain on the righteous and the, and the wicked. If God was like that, some of... Okay. Some places would receive no rain. But it's been raining heavily everywhere. If God was like that, some of your neighbors, you know, the rain would end at your boundary wall. Exactly. It's like the grass this side is green, the grass the other side is brown. Why? It rained all the way to that boundary wall. That's not how God is. God is generous. God is a loving father. So you have to go to the metaphor and say, he's talking about agriculture. And when you understand it a bit of agriculture, it becomes very powerful. Think about it. I have here a purple and a watermelon. I'll go with the melon for this purpose. All right, this is one of the smaller ones, but still it weighs about maybe five kgs, right? Most melons weigh between six and ten kilograms. You go one of those round ones that, huh? It's about eight kg, okay? Eight kilograms. That's the weight of a, a proper watermelon, okay? Now, a melon plant puts on five to six watermelons. Are you following? Yeah. I know, you've all seen purple trees. Very few people have ever seen a watermelon plant. <laughs> Uncle John just said the tree. Uncle John, watermelons don't grow on trees. They are, they are vines. They are vines. They are not trees. Are you, are you following? I have five minutes to go. You're with me. So you have five, let's go with a lower number, five watermelons of eight kilograms each. How much weight is that? 40 kilograms of watermelons. 40 from one seed. Do you know the weight of a watermelon seed? A watermelon seed weighs 4 grams. 4 grams. There are 1,000 grams in a kilogram. Hmm? 1,000 grams in a kilogram. In other words, 1,000 divided by 4. How many, uh, how many seeds do you need to make uh, uh, a kilogram? 250. You need 250 seeds to make a kilogram. Okay. But then the watermelon is 8 kilograms. 250 by 8 is what? 250 times 8 is 2,000. In other words, one seed, so it, the one watermelon equals the weight of 2,000 seeds. But then we are going with five watermelons from one seed. That's 10,000. That's a return of 10,000 to one in weight terms. 10,000 to one. That is phantom economics. That does not exist in the realm of humanity. When it comes to business and finance, those, if you know, you know. Someone comes and tells you, I can kufula your money and give you, I can kufusa and give you a hundred percent per annum. Run with your money. Don't continue the conversation. Most investments are going to give you somewhere between seven and 15 percent per annum. If it's a really good investment, 20 percent. If it's a business equity and all of that, it's going to give you somewhere between 30 and 100% per annum. But that's business. People are involved. Now, this thing here, 10, and Paul is saying that God's economics is like that. Now, let's eliminate some things. When you plant watermelon in the ground, one, whether you are saved or not, whether you pray in tongues or you, cl or you claim God does not exist, the returns are the same. Christians don't get better watermelons than non-believers. Okay? Why? God has eliminated that socialism, like we used to call it. <coughs> That's a solar. No, he loves everyone. So he's like, mm -mm, Daniel, here is how it's going to be. Now, if Daniel, the tongue-talking, demon-chasing, KJV-quoting, 
uh, heaven bound brother plants only four seeds of watermelon he's going to get back 20 watermelon if another brother who uh, yeah who is so bad they probably even beat their wife god forbid but i'm just saying there are people who are like that bad like they have taken badness to that level <laughs> if that brother plants 1000 plants he's going to get 5000 watermelon do you get what i'm saying so in other words here god is not in the picture god has already done his part do you know the part he has done he has wired the seed to be able to go into the ground and pull out watermelons from the soil and he has made that possible for everyone whether you believe him or not that's how good he is so it's not god it's not god god has already done his part this business of you give for god to give you it's not there but it's not there. God has already set up the system. The kingdom financial system is akin to agriculture in that God already sets it up and whoever operates it benefits from it. Whoever doesn't operate from it doesn't benefit from it. But God remains good because he's not the one who is deciding who gets and who doesn't. Uh... <laughs> yes. Guys, do you understand? I just seeing this thing. God is God. God, God has already done that. But it's like when they give you a computer and God has already done all the coding. All the coding. For you, just business typing. You don't know all the processes going on back end. You don't keep taking back your laptop to Microsoft every week to say, Kakati, code for me for this week's use. No, you just type. That's how God has done it. All the coding is there for you. Your role is to simply plant seeds on the ground. No, you don't even know the soil composition or whatever. I mean, most people here are ignorant of how soil works. But just plant seeds. Uganda, we are so blessed. We are one of those countries where things grow by themselves. I had a classmate called Jamera Jenny. So you just... Many of you eat fene every week, but you've never seen a fene farm. Have you ever seen a fene farm? But this is a fennet farm. These are rows of fennet trees. No! This is fennet trees everywhere. They grow by themselves and people eat fennet and even sell. Only in Uganda. Are you people with me? To get it, remember? So this is what Paul is teaching. That this thing is as good. Now let me show you something else. This is that thing. This is a part that blew my mind. So, you plant a small watermelon seed. It even dies. And then a plant comes out. Then what does it? So, E equals MC squared. Theory of relativity. So, there is no new mass on earth. For you to create this mass, you have to destroy lots of energy. That's why they do it the reverse way. You destroy a little bit of mass, very tiny bits of mass, and you create nuclear energy. Okay? In other words, when you see a watermelon like this on, on, on the surface, or a purple up on a tree, where did it come from? Where do you think it came from? You think it just sort of was a supernatural thing? One day when you were sleeping, it, the tree looked around, made sure no one was seeing, and then poof, the purple shows up. Is that what happened? Is that, is that what happened? No. What happens? The purple came from the ground. The tree, the tree, the seed. And the plant it produces has been wired to go into the ground. Hmm? It just goes into the ground and only picks out purple material or watermelon material and organizes it in watermelon form and presents it to you. So you start eating. Now, for you, if you be, think you're clever, you're like, mm -mm. this seed goes into the ground and picks out what? Watermelons from the ground. Now, 
I want you to know that this watermelon, the weight of this watermelon is the exact equivalent of the soil, weight of the soil it took to create this water, of the ingredients. You see, melons are mainly water. But even if it was another plant that's maybe 40% water, are you understanding? What I'm saying is that if when you see five kilograms of, of watermelon, it was simply conversion of five kilograms of soil. Do you understand? Because it's, the seed goes into the ground, there is no new matter, and just gets from the ground only water and organizes the watermelon and presents you. Now, for you, when you become clever and you're like, Mm-mm, seed takes too long, I'll tell all those things, God thinks for us we are clever. And then you go into the ground. <laughs> And you're like, after all the watermelon came from soil. And you get five kilograms of soil. And you eat. Because this is exactly soil. What do you think is going to happen to you? <laughs> you become soil. <laughs> Rather quickly. Are you guys understanding? Are you understanding? God has reserved the right of conversion of soil to melons only to himself. No one else can do it. All the scientific advances, they simply modify God's system. No one can do that on version. It's impossible by human standard. <laughs> you have clock. Only God can do it. No one can. So, do you see that parking lot where you parked? All those cars? And do you see all this compound here? All the green? That's just watermelons. <laughs> yeah. It's just multitudes of water. Look, look, all those watermelons. Your, that carpet where you've packed your car, that, all that soil below, all of that is what? Watermelons. All those refugees in refugee camps who are under those UNHCR uh, buttons, when they go to bed and they are sleeping on those veras, under those tents, under the, and hungry, they are sleeping on watermelons. Hungry, but sleeping on food. And not only watermelons, poppers, fennel, maize, beans, everything. When you drive home this afternoon or morning, I want you to be conscious of the fact that you're driving on top of watermelons. <laughs> you may be thirsty, you may be wanting a slice of watermelon, but you're driving on top of watermelons. So what happens? Believers are in church, and sometimes... The money is not there in the wallet, but they are on top of watermelons. Conclusion. Conclusion. You reap what you sow. You don't plant watermelon seeds and then avocado trees come up. Run for your life. <laughs> you reap what you sow. There are people who have asked me about the generosity principle. How about if I give my time at church and not money? Exactly. We need your time. And guess what you're going to reap? Time. You, reap, you sow time, you reap time. If you sow kindness, you reap kindness. You reap what you sow. If you reap, if you sow finances, you reap finances. It doesn't guarantee that you also reap friends. Unless you invest time with friends, that's how you get back friendships. You reap what you sow. You do not, it seems, you cannot break this principle. This principle is eternal in nature. You reap what you sow. God sowed his son to reap sons and daughters. You reap what you sow. Two, two, two. You reap more than you sow. If you plant 10 seeds of watermelons, and then the watermelons, you have to use a microscope to see them. <laughs> Where are my watermelons? 
area dogo just go and talk to your pastor <laughs> go for service <laughs> it's not possible you reap more than you sow that's a principle you can't break it god built us a house on 3 million shillings lastly you reap after <laughs> You reap when? There are those who say, me, that day I become rich, I will be generous. My friend, my friend, you are those ones who are waiting around for watermelons. Like, let the melons come first, and when the melons come, we are going to start planting melons. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.